podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. When we talk about vocations, we don't often hear about experiences of discerning out of the seminary or religious life. Julius Belita joins us this week to talk about his experience of discerning a call to the priesthood, of his time at seminary, and of the process of discerning that he was not called to become a priest, and of what it was like when he left seminary and was readjusting to life outside of the seminary. We hope that this is helpful for those who have had that experience or who are discerning a vocation to priesthood or religious life, but also for those who might be undergoing some big transitions in their lives. Hi, everyone. Hey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Peace to all people. I just thought of that wow. because Julius put his hand up in a peace sign and it's coming. I don't know. I keep seeing Christmas decorations everywhere. That's why. Yeah. So that's all I can think about, you know. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Can't yeah. complain. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. How about you, Nicole? How are you doing? You know, I had one of those days today where you, I, anyways, it was just one of those days where I, yesterday I was like, I think I'm on top of all the things. And then a couple of things happened at the end of the day that I realized, oh no, I'm really not on top of what, you know, a few things. And then there's just, anyway, it all worked out fine, but I just had there, I felt I was very scattered in the morning, mm-hmm. but you know what? It's that point of the semester in yeah. teaching where you're just, everyone's kind of tired and everyone's kind of you know, and, and apparently it's happens for profs too, where you're just like, ah, what's going on? But no, I mean, I, that makes me sound like I'm t- completely disorganized mess. I'm only a small just portion. Like, just like, I'm just partial disorganized mess, not total. Nice. Sweet. Partial well, for sure. I mean, that's anyway, pretty that's, good for a first year prof, like for yeah, teaching the horses for the first time, I'd say, you know, your hair looks like it's not like it looks done and you know, it's in a messy bun, dressed. but yeah, thanks. Okay. Excellent. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. You don't anyway, have banana peels good. stuck to your clothing. So it's good. Yeah. No, that was yesterday. So it's okay. Fine. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Julius? And then you and Rachel can say, I'm interested in this class. Cause before we started, you guys were talking about the class that you were in. It yeah. sounds very interesting. Yeah. So t- how are you? And then, uh, and then what's the class story? For sure. For sure. I'm doing really well. Actually, I just came back from the cottage up like somewhere in Muskoka. I don't know. I wasn't the driver, so I didn't really pay attention. Um, (laughs) I was just with a bunch of friends and we just hung out there for a weekend and it was a great time to just relax and kind of wind down, I guess, and get away from the city. So yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm doing, I'm being, I'm really relaxed and refreshed. So that's good. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Very grateful. Maybe we can introduce. Yeah. Oh yeah. We should introduce you, but your hair looks like freshly cut or something. Did you have a haircut? It looks. I got a haircut for this podcast. Dude, it looks good. I was like, (laughs) your hair looks like. Yeah, actually I really need a haircut. And um, the motivation was to to do it for this because, you know, I could just kind of delay it for a while or just right we'll just get it and so yeah. this gave me a reason to just get nice. it right away so That's there good. you go i mean we should <laughs> we should point out for those if you are listening and you are new that there is also a youtube version of this so julius didn't yeah. get his haircut for just a simply audio <laughs> podcast <laughs> that would be funny that would be hilarious <laughs> I didn't think that, yeah. you know True. i mean that's okay when you when you feel fresh you you feel you've 
talk fresh. I don't know. It's like, I don't know what that sentence Sounds is going to Sounds like a Febreze be. ad. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Yeah, that's true. Okay, sorry. So I interrupted that. So, Rach, do you want to, what's the, what's your story with class? Oh, yeah. So Julius and I, and Julius, you can talk about this in your, like, you, we, we want him to share a little bit about, you know, who he is and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So you'll hear more about it. But we were in a philosophy class. I think it was epistemology. Yeah. I think that was the class we were in together. Oh, boy. <laughs> you Maybe. don't even remember. <laughs> my favorite, like, that was the first time I met Julius, actually. And yeah. I think you were literally my favorite person in that class because <laughs> you were so funny. Like, you were, like, I, I, I don't want to say you were a lost all of the time both times but like you and you were like really unabashedly like you just expressed it you're like i just remember we talked about plato and that's this is my favorite part of the whole class we talked about plato and plato's idea is like there's the ideals you know like so the ideal circle like the idea of a circle yeah. and then there's mm-hmm. the real circle but it'll never be like the ideal like they're all kind of we're trying to reach the ideal okay and i'm probably mm-hmm. butchering it i'm really sorry for everyone who's like a philosophy right. expert and you know like the circleness of a circle exactly the circleness of a circle and like we were looking at like clocks and all this kind of stuff we're just talking about the circle and the circle and at the end of class julius is just like because we have a chance to ask the professor like say comments and ask questions and he's just like honestly i have no i don't know what's going on he's like those are the clocks we're talking about circles i just i I don't get it like i don't and i was just dying it's my favorite thing ever i just at question time i literally waited for you julius like what I was so awesome to me. Yeah, that's amazing. That's how I love it. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of my philosophy classes were pretty confusing, I would say. (laughs) Um, But especially that class, I remember that one because, yeah, he was talking about the perfect circle, and he was drawing circles on the board. He was telling us about um, wheels on a bus. Is that not a perfect circle? And I was like, what? I'm pretty sure that is. Like, why wouldn't it be? a circle um, so yeah i remember asking that question like i don't know what a circle is anymore yeah like, I look at the and it seems like it's a circle to me uh in my head i was like i'm definitely gonna fail this class because i don't know what's going on that's awesome <laughs> it was so good but yeah oh, i was you. not afraid to to ask these questions because yeah. yeah like i didn't know what was going on and so i might as well just just, just ask it there. yeah get it out there mm-hmm. hopefully other people feel the same way that this is a little confusing that's right um, yeah I feel like philosophy is one of those subjects or maybe the only subject that on an exam you could just write I don't know and the answer that's the correct answer like, right that's yeah the, like that's, yeah that's fair. You write anything else then you write, it depends yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah oh, that's uh, awesome yeah. that reminds me actually we had um I have my convocation this week on Monday, which was super exciting. Thank you. That's awesome. We were lined up to go into the into the chapel for convocation, and I started doing that song, like just with just like humming it, singing it, just Mm -hmm. like humming it. Except for it wasn't that song; it was the bridal march. So it was like like, wrong song. Yeah. Um, But anyways, I was gonna actually say the um, the funniest part of convocation was. Um, Monsignor Nuska, he gave the convocation address. And so um, if you've ever met Monsignor Nuska, he is amazing. Like he is such a great, like good man, very kind, so smart, like mm. operates on a whole other plane. Right. And he studied the book of Revelation. So that's mm. like on a whole other plane 
anyways. So taking revelations with him, like, was like, you don't understand half of what is being talked about at any point. And then my mom was kind of live texting me during the convocation (laughs) that I only saw after. So it was like, love you. So proud of you. Great job. Your grandparents would be so proud of you. And there was this one line that just said, just not sure what this guy is saying. (laughs) 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 I'm senior Nuska gave the address and she was like... Uh, yeah, anyway, it's the circles crazy. thing all over again. You're like, what's <laughs> you happening? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's yeah. have you had any um, courses like that, Nicole? Where you're like, yeah, you know what? I've taken one philosophy course in my life. Well, it was a it was a Christian ethics course, but with one of the philosophy profs, and it mm. broke my brain for like oh, six right. months. I just <laughs> felt very confused about everything, and then after that, it settled into. I think it was probably one of the most impactful courses. Actually, my whole music therapy degree, mm, which is interesting. Wow. Um, um, uh, mm-hmm. but definitely, definitely a highlight. And also definitely, I was fine. kind of, I just, yeah. I was like, this is my, I don't understand what's going on. What's that? Why is this It's hurting me? Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I feel like Rachel and I got to take Christology together um, oh, from Father was, Gilles yeah. Mongeau. And that was also brain breaking a little I bit. I loved like, it though. Yeah. I, lo- I Maybe I just yeah. like getting my brain broken. Yep. <laughs> Just like right. breaking my brain. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, especially <laughs> okay. when you realize your brain is breaking, but there's like a little part of your brain that is grasping mm, some little sure, yeah, so mm-hmm. like, I'm not a total dummy, even <laughs> right. if partial dummy. Like, Mostly right. dummy. Yeah. Mostly Slightly dummy. Slightly not dummy. Slightly. It goes, dummy. it's like, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this in courses where there can be the course where you understand most things. You're like, I just have to get that last like 20% mm-hmm. of the things figured out. And that's great. And then you feel really good. You're like, I know 80% of the things go me. Yep. And then there's other courses where you're, you're like, mostly don't understand everything. And for everything you do understand, you're like, yes, I rock go me. Yeah, that's you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, really you still so only true. know like 5% of the things, Yeah. but you yep. feel yeah. really accomplished yeah. because it's something. You know that is so true. It's like physics yeah. for me. Physics was like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just, whoa, I just don't like know mm-hmm. forces and air, like vectors. And it was yeah. just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> shaking yeah. their head right now. Like, yeah. nope, yeah. not, let's not, not talk about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 What did anyway. you study in your undergrad, Julius? That's a, that's I was a, a business student. I was, I, I majored in marketing and, I'm... and I minored in organizational leadership. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so definitely a little bit different than philosophy, but. <laughs> oh, easily. Yeah. Business class is like. <laughs> Um, tell me, tell me what you're trying to sell me or what's your business plan. Yeah. And philosophy is like, so how do you feel? Like, what do you think about this? What and is? What are circles? Yeah. <laughs> what what is? Right. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, completely different for sure. This yeah. is good. So I'll just turn it over to you then. And we'll start with you. You can just tell us a little bit about your background and um, yeah, just your life, who you are background like yeah right like kyle lowry like, in the back well when, yeah. <laughs> which by the way yeah what's fan. on the top shelf there and yeah these ladies may not know kyle lowry is was a raptor probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest i do just, if not the greatest for okay. sure if not the greatest. So i just have a photo of him from sports illustrated nice. a cover holding the trophy that we won a couple years ago mm-hmm. um just framed because i have to remember it i'm a big raptor fan um so that's my background physically, I guess. Right. Here. Yes. Um, that's great. Now your existential background. <laughs> is going to that. Yeah. Um, so, Do you have any circles in your room, like in the background? Not, no. Okay. Not sorry, any I'll perfect stop now. ones. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I've learned. I've learned something. 
Um, so my name is Julius. Um, I'm 27 years old now. Um, I'm Filipino, and I was born in Scar, born in, at Scar. No, I was raised in Scarborough. That's the better way to put it. Um, I come from a Catholic family, Catholic Filipino family, so we're very uh, devoted. Um, I did everything from uh, elementary school up, like you know, uh, first confession, uh, first communion. Uh, confirmation um but i went but when i went into high school i got i guess the faith started to be a little bit more confusing um and my parents stopped nagging me i guess uh to go to mass and so it was just up to to me i guess and i would i would still go uh quite frequently but then over time i became more of a christmas and easter um sunday goer um, and I never stopped really believing in God, but I guess I never really realized um, how much I needed him or how beautiful uh, the Catholic faith was. And so that was me kind of just drifting um, in high school. And then when I got into university, um, all I wanted to do was just study and make new friends and have fun. But it wasn't until my second year of university uh, where I was just walking from one class to another, but um, I just entered a student center all because I just wanted to to use the bathroom before I went to class. Um, but when I went into the student center, I realized that all these clubs were just promoting themselves. And so I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm just going to grab a bunch of free stuff from every every club. <laughs> and, uh, and I walked into the washroom uh, and then they got out. I remember this girl just randomly like ran up to me and was like, hey, do you want a free pen? And I was like, free pen yeah like of course i will take anything that is free and uh and i remember her leading me to the booth and she was like if you get this you get this free pen all you got to do is sign up for our club and i was signing up for all these clubs anyways um but i remember them and it said ryerson catholic and i was like oh okay like i don't know if i'm gonna join them but i'll 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 put in my schedule and and kind of just take this pen and leave a week later i remember i received a phone call and it was another student saying, oh, my gosh, like, I, I just want to meet you. Like, I'm glad you signed up for our faith study. And I was like, oh, shoot, like, what did I sign up for? Like, these, these people have my number and my email. Like, That's awesome. Like, uh, and then so being the good guy that I am, mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come and meet you. Um, I'm excited to all that stuff. But my intent was to say, oh, like, thank you for your, your time, uh, for meeting me. But I'm not really interested. Mm. Um, and so I meet the student and he's just trying to sell me on this uh, CCO faith study called discovery. And to me, I was like, well, I kind of learned this in, in school already. Like I, I kind of think I know what it means to be Catholic. Mm. Um, but a missionary came by and he just started talking to me about his faith. And I had really realized at that moment that I was taking my faith for granted mm. And I was like, you know what? I'll just give this a shot. Um, like I'm Catholic. Um, again, I never stopped believing God, but like I just thought I knew everything. And then after taking that faith study, actually maybe even during it, I really realized I didn't know anything. Mm. Um, I didn't know about God's love. I didn't even know the Holy Spirit, for example, was a person. Like I thought it was just a dove. Um, <laughs> right. I didn't think. Yeah, really I didn't fair, think yeah. of about the Holy Spirit at all. Um, I didn't even know Jesus was God. Like, there's just like these basic truths yeah. that um, 
I guess I just never really thought about or taught or was taught. Um, but I just started to learn these new things and started to grow in my faith, still like struggling, I guess, through university. Um, but it wasn't until my fourth year I went to this conference uh, called Rise Up, and it was being held at, uh, in Montreal that year. And I remember um, going to Eucharistic Adoration um, and finally like feeling God's love um so powerfully um in my heart and i remember tears like like tripping and uh yeah like i've never felt that love before um and i had and i kind of had this feeling or this experience that i really still can't describe but i knew that this was it like this is where um i wanted to be this is what love is i guess and i remember being in school it was my fourth year and I was I was taking business classes at Ryerson. And I thought about, you know, like maybe this is not what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was in school for business, but like most of my time in university after I guess my first phase study was spent uh, at the Ryerson Catholic Student Center. So I knew that there was something there that I, uh, kind of vibed with me, I guess, um, and connected with me. Um, and so after a lot of discernment, um, and good feedback from the missionaries at the time or and some priests and, and other students. Um, I decided to do these two missionary programs. One was called Totus Tuus, which is a um, archdiocesan, uh, I guess, summer camp for kids, and as well as uh, CCO. So I decided to also become a missionary um, because of the experience and the love um, that they shared with me as a student, never giving up on me every time I messed up. Um, kind of just like really intentionally accompanying me throughout this whole way uh, of my conversion and never leaving my side. And so I love that experience for me and I was very grateful for that. And I guess I wanted to um, in turn share that with other students and to really know the love of Christ and to see people grow. That's one of my favorite things is to kind of see like that light bulb kind of just click or, or, you know, that turn on in someone's brain and they're like oh my gosh like yeah jesus loves me that much like you're crazy Um, (laughs) yeah that's definitely one of my favorite favorite um feelings um and experiences and so uh, throughout my time with cco um i was able to really meet a lot of um clergy Mm -hmm. and um and just young faithful catholics i remember um i met these seminarians when i was on my on totus too it's my first year um and so i was this, this new converted guy i guess i didn't even know the angelus i remember um all the all the returning missionaries would start this prayer and i was like man if this is how totus Tuus is gonna be i don't know if i'm gonna laugh <laughs> everyone, the angelus everyone seems so holy um so i didn't know if i could fit in um but i knew i was called to to be there i guess that was my a motivation to stay and, and apply and stay because I knew God was calling me there even though I didn't know my theology I didn't know the Angelus I didn't know these these things mm-hmm. um but on Totus Tuus um I met these young seminarians who were normal dudes um <laughs> who liked basketball like me they liked um uh I guess food I don't know like they just had personality <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah, is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Young guys with personalities. Um, and I was just very intrigued um, 
by them because it's like you're giving up like everything else to pursue yeah. this call like this is different um mm. and inspiring it's like you know they kind of piqued my curiosity and then you have other guys who are um really discerning and it's like man you too like you're thinking about mm. this too like why you know but you could mm. see from these guys like um this this true joy that they had um yeah. and yeah i i guess i had that perception of of seminarians that they're just you know like you know read books and and pray right. all the time and which they do yeah but, um, <laughs> right these yeah. guys were just just normal normal guys that i really really clicked with mm. so i guess that was just the initial i guess stirring in my heart uh to kind of just give mm. um the priesthood a chance um because i never even thought of being a priest as a as a thing mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know anything about vocations never heard the word until probably university mm-hmm. um and so to to meet all these guys and to see um that they're just normal and to just learn a lot about the catholic faith um it was just kind of just piquing my curiosity and i'm just again a curious guy like rachel like in class like i'll ask <laughs> questions it might sound yeah. dumb yeah. or not i'll just ask it um yeah. try to kind of poke at random things that you say um mm-hmm. not like maliciously or anything i'm just like yeah. genuinely lost <laughs> like, or curious like i don't know <laughs> like awesome. tell me about something i'm like yeah. cool like what is that um, so what was that like for you like yeah. those kind of like what happened for you then in those years when you were a missionary kind of in ryerson or like getting to know mm-hmm. more seminarians or like feeling those like having the questions come up for you like what was that discernment that kind of eventually brought you into the into the seminary yeah i think there was a reason why i was asking all those questions um Mm. like i guess there was just a like a desire in my heart to to want to know more even though i guess at the time i didn't know oh i actually want to join the seminary um but it was just like these are just so interesting that i've never heard like I've never heard a guy say, "Oh yeah, I've given up." Uh, uh, for example, one of my good buddies from seminary, he like I guess he essentially gave up a hockey uh, career to pursue that. Oh wow! To <clears throat> enter seminary, or like even to give up the married life. Yeah. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? I don't know, but there's something interesting about you guys. <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's something different about you guys, and so I guess those questions just genuinely. Um, made me want to learn more about the priesthood and what discernment is and so after speaking to them and and talking to a lot of clergy i joined this discernment group called Covatus, and it's run by uh, the archdiocese as well just like for guys discerning and we kind of go through um like a kind of like a book study and talk about um the priesthood and you know what's what are fears that you have um what are some questions that you have and i remember one one uh fear that i always had was like how am i not going to get married like mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. i don't understand <laughs> i can just do that and filipinos were very um communal i guess like yeah. we're big on yep. community um and we're just big on families um and we love our priests too mm-hmm. but um it's just kind of like just like not me type of thing you know like mm-hmm. that guy can be the priest and we'll love him but i just don't want to be that guy i want to get married and so i was just kind of thinking like how how can you just go through this 
but again you get deeper into your prayer life uh you get deeper into learning about the church and it was just like me falling in love with mm-hmm. jesus and wanting to get to know him more and wanting to get to know um the church and at one point i was like man like i don't know if a woman can satisfy my heart the way that god is right now mm-hmm. and it was going through this discernment process in Colvadis. And then eventually I joined this other one called the associates, which is like guys that are really, um, really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a smooth process to that too. There was a lot of internal fighting, mm. like, <laughs> because at first it's like, you know, to be a CCO missionary, you kind of like give up everything. Like you just want to do what God wants you to do. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go to that path. And there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that. And then when God kind of just said, oh, maybe kind of just think about the seminary. It's like, okay, like slow down. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had my conversion here. <laughs> right. And you told me to like be a CCO missionary. And I love this job. But now you're telling me I gotta, I gotta go to the seminary. And that was like a big fight for me and God because I just felt like I was giving up a lot. And I think when you grow closer to your relationship with Jesus, the more is demanded of you. Mm. Um, and that's a good thing. I guess some people might take it as, a, as the wrong thing. It's like, oh, I have to give up another thing. But uh, once I got over that initial, like, uh, again, like I have to do this again, um, I was just more open to that call. But again, it was, it was not a smooth ride. There was a lot of times where one day I, I was so gung-ho about going to the seminary and becoming a priest. I was like, yeah, like I'm going to help change the church, like things like that. <laughs> and then there are days where like, it's like, oh, you know what? I'll just tell uh, Father Chris, who was the vocation director at the time. I was like, tell Father Chris that I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> so it's a lot of that back and forth um, mm. in my discernment into the seminary. But eventually that call got so strong um where i couldn't think about it as a what if like maybe go through my life and think oh yeah what if i actually went to the seminary um i had to just go there's a one point where i could i couldn't delay it any further um that god's call was so strong that i would be i think um doing him a disservice to not even try um so i went to come and sees um i went to two the first one i came and saw and left uh <laughs> The second one is when I was like, all right, I think I'm here to stay. Um, but it took a lot of convincing from God and from my peers um, to just um, get in there and try it out and see what God is trying to tell me and to discern the priesthood uh, fully. So yeah. I guess that's my initial journey to get in there. That's as long awesome. as the answer, but yeah. No, but it's good. It's good background, right? Because I think it's it's like because we definitely want to kind of hear about some of the stuff that was hard about discerning out, but I think it's not really helpful to hear about that without actually hearing about what it was like discerning in, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so along, like along, wait, can lines, I, Oh, sorry, yeah. can I just like reflect for a second? Yes. I think what it's, what's really, Julie, is what I'm like thinking about is that God, like God calls us to things one step at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I'm so far hearing from your story. Like he legitimately sounds like he would have a legitimate call to go to the seminary. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, to be at that step. And I, I just think of how often in life it's so easy to 
like, you know, even in just like in dating or in school or whatever it is to think, okay, I'm, I'm called to do this thing right now. And I'm excited for it. And here's my whole life ahead of me. And this is the trajectory of my life and assuming that Mm -hmm. rather than just being in the moment of, okay, I'm called to this right now. And we'll just go one step at a time, you know? So I think that even just as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh yeah, what a beautiful example of that. Just kind of step-by-step. Okay. God calls me to go to seminary. All right, I'll go. And then, you know, we see what happens next. So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 No, that's Um, good. There's one thing I thought too, is like the, what you said about God, the more, the closer you get to the Lord, like the more he demands of you. And sometimes that like, that's a good thing, but sometimes it doesn't feel like a good thing. And I think Mm -hmm. you really explain that well, because it, it is, it's not easy to do that. And I think sometimes it can cause, it can create like a moment of crisis in faith. I've seen that like a lot of people that I know have experienced that where they like grow closer to the Lord and then some really difficult circumstance or cross or, or decision comes their way. And it, it can really make you doubt the goodness of God mm-hmm. that he would ask, make that big of an ask of you that you feel like you can't fulfill. Like he's asking something of you that you're like, I can't do this. And like, why would a God who loves me ask me of this, ask this of me? Um, but I think, yeah. So I think it's very honest the way that you kind of describe that, but also that like the more that you fall in love with the Lord, the more possible those things Mm -hmm. become, even if they're not like easier, they're just more possible. And they suddenly Mm -hmm. become, yeah, you can walk through that door where you couldn't even take another step forward before, you know, and it's kind of, it's really cool to have an example in your story of like, of that happening, even though it wasn't necessarily easy for you finally to take that step into seminary, mm-hmm. there's something that happened. There's some courage, there's some grace that, that God gave you, but you stuck with it. I think that's really important because sometimes I think when God makes those asks of us, we can let go of that journey completely. Like, I just can't do it. And just leave, like leave at that point, you know? Um, but there's more, like there's more and there's so much more like your story. We're going to hear even more, but I think that's Really helpful and a really great example actually yeah yeah that's awesome that's great um i think maybe why don't you share with us a little bit about because i'm sure people after hearing about like the you know how you got to the seminary it would be good to hear what it was like at the seminary like what were yeah. some of the like good parts that were like joy filled or like life-giving what were some of the things that were hard and then where those things kind of moved to bring you to Mm -hmm. a place where like the lord was calling you to something different than the Mm -hmm. seminary you know yeah okay i'll start with the hard part because that was the slap in the face i got uh, when i entered seminary um in a good way again in a good Mm -hmm. way um because I, again, I was fighting with God about this call, like, do I have to go? Like, please don't let me. And then eventually being like, <laughs> all right, I do want to go. And then entering. And then upon entering, like that first day, like, it really felt like God left me. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I really felt this like, whoa, like, why, why are you leaving me? Like, I was so desolate in mm-hmm. my prayer life. Um, just being there, like it was cool. Now, like these seminarians who I was friends with before, now they're like my brothers. Like I get to live with them, get to pray with them, I get to eat with them, all this stuff. And that was cool. But at the same time, internally, I was like, whoa, like God, you wanted me here. And now it feels like you're not here, even though you live like literally across the room. Um it was weird. It was a weird feeling of of uh and I say slap in the face because that's how it just felt. 
Yeah, um, totally. But again, God is so good. And I loved every moment because it was through that desolation, I guess I'll talk about a little bit more later, but um, that I was able to really find him in a deeper way um, mm. and really trust and love him more. Um, but yeah, so I guess I started off very like, oh man, like this is a cool place, but like, I'm not having that much fun. Um, but it looks like I'm having a lot of fun, you know, I get to play some sports with the guys. Again, the food is good. Like I get to learn philosophy. Um, I get to talk with priests. Um, we have mass and adoration every day. Mm. And so everything was absolutely like a, a dream. Like mm. I loved it. I loved the experience there. Um, the only thing I didn't like, you know, we had a curfew. So I felt like a kid again, <laughs> um, things like that, but like, that was just whatever, but everything on the outside oh man like i would have the time of my life really um mm. over there and it was just really conducive to uh, my growth uh in my relationship with god um my prayer life mm. was was great um but again i just felt this sense of desolation when i entered and it didn't really leave me um at all actually my entire first year wow um yeah and i felt like and then you know your people kind of just want to explain this to people um they're always like oh you know mother Teresa spent 40, 40, 40 years like, yeah. and it's like okay i get it oh, you know gosh, like yeah. i understand that's a long time but eight months is also a very long time yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally yeah. is um any consolation or you know this any sense of you know i made the yeah. right choice you know type of thing mm-hmm. yeah and so like and i love mother Teresa. no knock on her but like it's just sometimes it's well like, you're like not, yeah thing. when people make the comparison you're like and i'm not mother Teresa, so <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah that was a very very difficult year um for me uh to just kind of go through and like there's a lot of things going on outside of um, seminary life like just having a lot of fomo um with your friends and family it's kind of like you're just cut off like mm. you know you're not checking your phone all the time also so like you don't actually know what people are doing on social right. media or like you i can't just uh, hang out with uh my friends as much as i used to or you know go to this uh event or something because everything is at the seminary mm. um which is again also a good thing but it was just for me as an extrovert um it was a lot of growing pains uh for me mm. um so that first year was very, very uh, difficult. Um, and at one point, I think it was like somewhere in like February, March uh, of the second semester, I was like, man, like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I, <laughs> I, don't know if I want to stay here, even yeah. though I felt like God wanted me there. And there was a part of me like, man, this is just too hard. And I would tell this to my spiritual director. And my spiritual director was so good. He was actually like, every time I would describe my, my dryness in prayer or like how I felt, how I felt desolate, he'd kind of just like look at me and laugh, like kind of like, oh, this is so good for you. This is so good for you. Oh, man. And, and at that time I was just like, man, this is not fun. This yeah. Is not fun. yeah, yeah. But he knew what he was talking about because hmm. for me, like being a part of uh, CCO and, and you having these highs at retreats and things like that. Hmm. It was, I was a very feelsy person, a very emotional, uh, prayer-driven person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, if I feel good, my prayer is good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I was able to, in seminary, like, 
I guess God was allowing me to see that it's not all about the feelings. It's not about Mm -hmm. um, the emotions, but will you, will you hang out with me when you're not Mm -hmm. feeling good? Will you come to pray with an open heart and an open mind? Even though at mass, it seems like, you know, it's becoming repetitive almost or an adoration. Like you, there's nothing happening. Like maybe you're sleepy or just like, you can't hear God's voice. Like, will you come to me in those moments? I remember like doing rosary walks um, at like 1 a.m. around the seminary Wow! because I just needed something like I wanted Mm -hmm. to feel God's presence and I, and I, I couldn't. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the chapel in the dark, like if someone was to come in, they'll be like, whoa, like why are you in here? (laughs) Um, But I just remember those desolate moments and it's so vivid in my memory. Um, But they're just so, Again, now I look back at it. They were just such um, good growing times for me because I was able to, without feeling good or without feeling like I should pray, I did anyways. Mm. And I'm I'm so grateful for God to allow me to see that in my first year that I was able to kind of overcome the the emotions and the the feelings um, to just really be with him. Um, and to love him and to, I guess, remind myself that he's always there despite the um, desolation. And so that first year was very difficult. And I was like, man, I don't want to be here. But in my heart, I knew that if I had left the seminary, um, that would have been on my own accord. That wasn't Mm -hmm. God's voice telling me. It wasn't any of the clergy saying, actually, yeah, we feel like you're not supposed to be a priest or whatever. Like it was just me and my, I guess, um, selfishness or like um, my eagerness to just like go away, I guess, run away from God. Um, So I knew that I shouldn't, I was not discerning correctly if I had had left. Right. Um, So even though I didn't have the greatest year uh, in my first year, I knew that uh, God wanted me there. And so I stayed. Mm. Um, I had some consolation at the end of that year at a retreat that we had. And I guess it was my confirmation that God wanted me to stay. And so I stayed, I worked the summer. Um, and then it came back for my second year, which was a spiritual year. And so in that year, it's kind of like a year of just silence and, and meditation and prayer. And you kind of just have a social media fast or just fast in general from electronics. So we didn't have access to our phones throughout the week. Uh, we didn't watch TV, so I couldn't watch any Raptors games, which was very difficult for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, radio, but I don't know if anyone listens to the radio. Anyways, <laughs> like we just didn't have anything. Um, and, that was, and that was very needed for me. Again, just having that FOMO in my first year and, and not being able to be with others, like to really strip that away, like not even have the temptation to use my phone and everything was a very good thing for me it was a very good thing for me and so it was in that year um, we also had this 30-day silent retreat and we did this i guess yeah saint ignatius's spiritual exercises for four weeks and that was the january uh before the pandemic hit so january 2020 um and that was a very very fruitful um time for me but the entire year was fruitful um, but the entire year I was kind of just like, 
um again this wavy like am i staying am i going mm. i don't know like god like you're, you're telling me like mixed signals you know like just tell me straight up and yeah. so i remember my prayer uh going into that was um can i just have this heart of indifference my spiritual director and i always talked about just being indifferent with god's will like not kind of forcing him not putting him in a i guess a, a timeline like god you gotta tell me now at the end of this retreat i will know mm. Um, but it's really like this prayer of the heart of, okay, what is, whatever is your will, um, that is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it's like, yeah, like, I really mean that prayer. <laughs> like, right. Do want to yeah. do that? Um, right. Which is interesting yeah. too, like, because the, what, what is the prayer from CCO that wherever, wherever I'll go, wherever you call me, what, what yeah, does that go? Exactly. How does it I'll, go? I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever I want whatever you want me to say and I'll do whatever you want me to right. do. Yeah, exactly. It, it makes me think of holy indifference. Like that prayer makes me think holy indifference because mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. if we're, if we're open to wherever God wants to show us, then we're able to receive or to see where he wants us to go or what he wants us to do. But sometimes it's like when, and we don't realize it sometimes. And sometimes we do realize it, that we're like holding on to what our desire for God's will is so tight that it's hard to either um, let go of our own will and receive his receive like his plan for us his desire for us mm-hmm. or to even see that we're holding on to something so like that indifference of like being yeah like just being um peaceful with whatever his will is you know like not attached to one thing more than more than another that's really beautiful that's a beautiful prayer to have for the exercises yes it was tough like did i mean it i hope so (laughs) Um. i think think it's one of those things where you're like i mean it as much as i possibly can lord and then like you know wherever i'm lacking like you know it's that lord i believe help my unbelief kind of thing like lord i mean it but i don't totally so help me where i don't you know 100 percent mean it Mm -hmm. Um, like clothes you're gonna like you'll grow into them kind of you know (laughs) you keep trying them on you're like yeah i'm gonna get taller it's gonna happen (laughs) they fit right yeah yeah that's right um speaking of uh god's will for us um it is god's will for me to unfortunately leave you guys because i have class and i'm genuinely so sad because i want so much to be a part of this conversation and hear what you have to say julius but i will just have to listen to this podcast yeah um but yeah it's been so fun just even so far and like you're awesome dude i just i'm so i definitely have so much like love and respect for you and i can't wait to hear the rest and i will tell everybody let's learn lots okay what class (laughs) are you going to now what what i'm going to canon law so that's fun wow okay it actually is very interesting i will say our teacher does a great job making it interesting okay all right have fun peace out guys see you later bye that's so funny Sweet. Well, see, this is good. She had to go just as we're like getting to some of the juicy parts, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's all juicy, but for, for anybody who's not, um, who might not be familiar with St. Ignatius's, um, like the spiritual exercises, mm-hmm. do you want to maybe just say a little bit about what, what that mm-hmm. is? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of like a four week, um, retreat that's all done in silence. You'll meet your spiritual director. Uh, every day and it's split up into four parts and so the first week is a lot of meditations or actually all meditations on mm-hmm. on hell um, mm-hmm. the second week is about the life of christ um, third week is about the passion of christ mm-hmm. and the fourth week is on the resurrection 
And so you're kind of going through um, all of these weeks um, with at least three to five prayer periods a day, um, not including your rosary, holy mass, like all that stuff. This is just yeah. on top of that. And that's that. That's kind of like the main uh, prayers that are, are guiding your retreat. Um, you're given kind of just like uh, passages um, from St. Ignatius, as well as just like Bible verses um, that you're kind of just meditating on from your spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And you come with all your material the next day and and your spiritual director will kind of just let you know um, what's going on. Or yeah. if he wants you to repeat a prayer, like an, or pet, repetitions are very common in mm. the Ignatius exercise. Mm-hmm. Or if he wants you to move on. But I, I was I was repeating a lot. Like, I guess there is a lot that was being said to me in, in different uh, Bible passages and, and stories that um, I needed to mm. really chew on. I guess, hmm. and allow yeah. God to speak uh, clearer. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like coming to, like coming to the end of the exercises and like, where were you at with kind of the indifference or, and what happened oh. in the, in the months after that? Oh yes. Wonderful. Um, so going in, I was, again, I had this question of, okay, like, God, am I staying? Am I going, you know, like, I just want to know the answer. Um, having this, the spirit of indifference from my spiritual director, like, you know, this is what you have to pray. Like, you just have to be indifferent throughout this retreat. Don't give God this timeline mm-hmm. um, to kind of just tell you. And so I go into this retreat um, kind of hoping, you know, I get an answer. Like, if it's priesthood, then it's like, okay, like, I will go hard. I will pray all the time, you know, like, I know <laughs> now priesthood is the thing. Like, I don't have to be in this... Um, Mm. kind of like the unknown even in Mm -hmm. seminary even though the journey is priesthood it's kind of like you're just kind of again taking it one step at a time right um so if it's priesthood then okay great i'll be happy with that i just i'm just glad i know or if it's not then good like i'll be happy with that i'll just i'll just just be glad i know (laughs) yeah so um but i had to grow in indifference i had to be reminded of it again because i would force myself in some prayer meditations like oh this is this is the vocation like Mm. prayer passage like i'm gonna know um i remember going to my spiritual director and talking like you know like i think this this is this might be the the passage for me like this is the reflection god's gonna tell me he's like saying no like what do you like what you're trying to force your prayers like you know like you're not allowing god to speak you're kind of just like allowing your mind to like kind of tell you and then kind of just like mm-hmm. mask it as as oh god t- told you that mm-hmm. um so i even in the spiritual retreat i had to really grow in that indifference um mm-hmm. i remember one prayer uh period was about um the potter and the clay i guess and i just remember like going into that scene Oh yeah, a lot of uh, Ignatius um, prayers are all all about like putting yourself into the scene um, and meditating on that. And so mm-hmm. I remember going in there, and I heard God say like, "Will you allow me to mold you? Like, or are you gonna just, like fight me on this? Mm-hmm. Like, will you allow me to just build you into the guy I want you to be? Uh, mm-hmm. Even like one day at a time, one week at a time, mm-hmm. or these next thirty days? Will you allow me to just mold you?" And that was just the, I guess, the beginning of, okay, like I, like I have nothing else to do but pray. Like, yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta let him do the work. And if I uh, hear his voice on a particular answer that I've been praying for or not at this time, I, I just have to 
be okay with that and and actually love it mm-hmm. um so um i went through all these prayer periods and i've learned like a lot a lot of tears were shed um in silence and it's 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 different in the silence mm-hmm. because they also tell you not to to communicate at all like not just talking but just like in your actions too with mm-hmm. other people um mm-hmm. like if you see someone else like i don't know like crying or or just angry or whatever like if yeah. you see another person having emotions like you're not allowed to kind of just be like yo you okay man or something like that yeah yeah i remember <laughs> yeah and i remember many many times where i was like man i really hope like you know and see me cry or whatever yeah but they can't say anything about it anyways <laughs> <laughs> but i knew like oh man that that guy's having like a really good prayer time mm-hmm. um and i want to know like what god is doing in their life mm-hmm. um and so there were a lot of times uh during that retreat where um God was showing me his love in a in a way that I've never experienced before and allowing me to I guess get into myself into the deeper parts that I didn't want to look at. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one uh prayer reflection on loneliness. Mm-hmm. And again, um me being a very much an extrovert, like being around people, um it was just like I didn't like to talk about loneliness because I always wanted to be around people. I didn't think I was lonely, but I know deep down, like even though you're amongst the crowd, you can still be very lonely. Mm. Um, and I remember Jesus um, really honing in on that loneliness. And there was this Bible passage about um, when after John the Baptist is killed, Jesus actually goes on a boat by himself to pray. Mm. And then he, he feeds the 5,000. Um, and I remember in my translation, I have the great adventure Bible. It said that Jesus uh, went into a lonely place alone. Mm. And I remember just, uh, my meditation was me being on that boat, uh, with Jesus and him kind of just looking at me. Um, and he kind of says like, Julius, like, let's talk about this. Mm. Like, why are you, why are you lonely? Mm. And I remember just um, looking at him and then the tears are going down my face. And I was like, mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, like, I feel like unloved. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like um, I don't, I don't feel anyone's love, you know, like, even though I know everyone loves me, whatever, but like, I just don't feel it. And I did this particular prayer period at, at, at the cathedral in Guelph or the Basilica in Guelph. Mm-hmm. And with my eyes closed. And I remember when I said, um, I feel unloved, uh, Jesus was like, open your eyes. And so I opened my eyes and obviously I'm like, I'm, front of, I'm in front of the tabernacle. And he says, Julius, I love you. Mm. And then he says, Julius, look up. And I see these beautiful stained glass windows of Our Lady. And then uh, he says, Julius, she loves you. And I want you to think of your family and your friends like they love you. Mm. Like, never say that again. Like, you're loved. Mm. And I was like, wow, like, this is like insane. Like, just to feel this love again, I felt God's love before, but then this was just another level of love um, Mm. that He kind of just broke into. Mm. Um, And then in that prayer uh, period, um, 
Jesus is like, all right, you see the, those crowds, they're coming in. Um, Jesus is like, let's go over there and let's, let's help them out. And then and that's when he does his miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it says in that, in that passage, at least in my translation, that, uh, that the crowds also entered into the lonely place. Mm. so from and then that's when he made his miracle and so i guess the revelation for me was i have to enter into that loneliness um to to see or experience god's love for me i have to enter into the loneliness so that i can also be fed um that he can make miracles uh to enter into this place where i don't want to go where jesus can be like hey let's do this you know and it was very interesting to me to know that the crowds entered uh, and the disciples were like, well, why are we here? Like, it's a lonely place. They even say that. It's funny they, that they say that mm. because I would be like those guys, you know, like, why are we here? Like, mm. we should get out of here. And loneliness for me um, was just a suffering that I, I always had. I just never wanted to talk about. But Jesus really, again, honed in on that in that particular uh, prayer reflection. And so it was all a lot, a lot of these gems um, from the spiritual exercises that allowed me to really just be open to love um, and to finally be like, okay, I'm wherever you want me to go, uh, I will go. And I'm, hmm. I'm very happy. Um, and so I had to break through this um, barrier of um, just wanting it my own way, I guess, and trying to just. Hmm grow throughout my spiritual life not talking about the hard things i guess um for him kind of like forcing it on me like we got to talk about this um but really growing in indifference um growing in that that love for the priesthood and in that love for marriage and that love to just do god's will and then he was able to teach me about uh my vocation or at least show me um that this is the path that i want you to go towards but it's more like I want you to trust me with everything, uh, the loneliness that you have, the the suffering that you go through, the ups and the downs, all that. I want you to entrust me so that we can do this together. We can make miracles happen together, kind of. And so mm-hmm. that kind of just precursored the reflections afterwards about um, about me leaving the seminary, because, mm-hmm. again, I was open to just anything. and that, mm-hmm. and um, it was also another reflection a couple days later where it was very clear to me um, that Jesus was not calling me to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I, I'm probably rambling a lot now, but no, no, it's this good. is great. This is oh, so good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is wonderful. So, um, I remember I was, it was a reflection on the last supper mm. and uh, I remember the, one of the first days of the spiritual exercises, Father Fred, who is the um, director of spiritual year um, at the seminary, he kind of just gave all the guys like an icon. They kind of just like, oh, here, you, maybe you can use this in your prayers. I remember the icon he gave me was the icon of the Last Supper. And I was like, oh, cool. You know what? If the Last Supper comes up, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll look at it. Maybe I'll use it. Mm. And I remember... Uh, when my spiritual director was like, all right, you're going to go to the last supper. Um, I was like, cool. Like oh, I can do this. I went to, to the chapel and I was, I was just in there and praying. And then in that reflection, 
um, it was clear to me at the table, Christ was really like saying like, no, you're not called to this. But in like a very loving and happy way, I remember um, I wanted to, uh, you know how, I guess the way that I pictured, I could be very wrong, um, but the way I pictured the last supper was uh, Jesus kind of uh, ripping up uh, the bread and mm. passing it to one side. And eventually all the guys take their piece and they pass it to the, to the next side. Mm. So I was on the, I was on the second side, I guess. Mm. Um, and, but I was right beside Jesus. I kind of saw myself as kind of like John. And I remember uh, uh, ripping a piece of bread and passing it on. And then he did the same with the chalice and passed it to the right, whatever. Then he, he get, passes it to me. And then for some reason, in my reflection, I have this urge to want to raise up both, like as if I was mm. celebrating the mass. Um, and so I remember just like holding chalice and the bread. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'll just do this. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just, that was just what happened in my prayer reflection. And I remember Jesus kind of just like, as I'm trying to raise the chalice, he kind of just takes my arm down. And he says, with love like looks mm. at me and I was like, whoa, Julius, like, uh, I'm not calling you to this. Mm. And that's when I knew I was like, in my head, I was also like, wait a second. Am I making that up? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way. <laughs> but that love that was there, um, with that reflection about loneliness was the same love that I felt, um, in that reflection. And so I remember telling that to my spiritual director, afterwards and he kind of like was very happy because now i wasn't like in the initial and you know, trying to force my oh you know this might be the prayer what type of mm -hmm. thing to now being like wow like i think you're actually very indifferent and this is different like the way that you speak about this prayer reflection um mm -hmm. your demeanor everything how calm you are like I, that might be it like obviously you have to discern more like i have to go back and continue my prayer life and talk to my actual spiritual director back in toronto mm -hmm. um the clergy my brother seminarians like actually i have to still pray about this mm -hmm. but this is different and i guess that was the first of many confirmations at that point mm. and so a lot of reflections um still that went on but a lot of fruitful things that still come to this day um I, I remember describing it as like Pokemon, like you got to catch them all. Like I'm still trying to catch all these graces, like <laughs> all these fruits, they're still coming um, wow. from that 30 day retreat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was the initial like, whoa, actually, I think God might have like told me mm -hmm. that, told me that mm -hmm. I had to leave. Um, yeah. So, but in discernment with the, with the seminary, uh, with the church about becoming a priest, it's kind of like, it's you god and and this and the seminary like the clergy um and so we kind of still all work together but when i described my prayer periods to them and really how i was feeling and where i think god was calling me to they all they all were like whoa yeah that's mm. wonderful like no one like fought me on it like i don't know like mm. i thought they would be like yeah, give me another year you know? <laughs> Dude, we need you yeah, yeah, or yeah. something yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah like i don't know but like everyone just seemed peaceful and i felt very peaceful and then mm -hmm. I talked to my spiritual mm -hmm. director about it back in Toronto. And he was like, yeah, like, yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. great. Like, he was just yeah. all smiles. I've never seen him smile so much before. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just a wonderful experience there. But again, mm -hmm. 
comes with a lot of hardship now Mm -hmm. now that i have to now that this decision has been made i guess essentially like there's a lot of things still going on and i know one of them was like oh like i think i'm gonna disappoint a lot of people like Mm there's just there's a lot of hype for me i guess going in because it's like oh wow this guy was a ccm missionary like this guy is involved in his parish like whoa like he's gonna be a priest um so there's a lot of, I guess, prayers definitely from mm. the faithful. Um, always asking how I am, like, what can we pray for in seminary? They're just so excited for me. And it's all, they all mean well. Um, but in the back of my head, I was like, oh, shoot. Like, mm. there's a lot of people who have prayed for me to become a priest. And I'll have to tell them, I don't mm. think I'm becoming a priest. And so that was a lot of, I guess, internal pressure on my part, because I kind of just felt like, well, maybe I'm just disappointing everybody. Um, whether it's clergy I looked up to or my brother seminarians or people from the parish that have prayed for you mm. and have been excited for you. Like, oh, shoot, am I disappointing you or am I failing you almost? Mm. Um, and even after leaving, it kind of does. There are, there are times where it feels that way um, because when people ask and they didn't, I didn't publicly post, oh, I left seminary. Right. But when people kind of, uh, ask like oh like oh how's seminary and and i kind of say oh actually i i just turned out like they act as if someone has died it's kind of really? like kind of like huh. oh my gosh i'm so sorry and it's like <laughs> oh no like it's not a sad thing like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. but i think it's hmm. i don't know about everyone but like a lot of people have this uh, i guess perception that it was a bad thing mm-hmm. like oh you, something happened so this is bad right. like mm. But it was actually a very good thing. Um, mm. And again, people mean well, but it does feel like sometimes, right. oh, it's like sad. Like, whoa, why are you so sad? Mm. <laughs> um, mm. That's definitely one of the challenges of of leaving. And then also, I guess many people also kind of just nag you about it. Mm. Um, like they just never let it go. Like I, I work currently at St. Stephen's um, chapel which is a uh, chapel uh, downtown up on bay street for the archdiocese and there's a lot of um seniors uh mm-hmm. they're are very holy and very kind <laughs> to me but um they also just never let it go when they find out that i'm like an ex-seminarian it's like yeah. oh but you should think about going back and <laughs> it's like uh, okay <laughs> like whoa um which is kind of so funny because like i think i wrote that in actually one of the preview posts or something when i posted that you were coming on it's like it's oh. actually such a good and healthy thing when there are men discerning out of the seminary because yes going to the seminary is not like the final like you know you're called to be a priest and then you go in and that's it like it's like it's just a formality the education or something like that mm-hmm. to be but it's like it's all discernment and it's actually such a good thing when mm-hmm. people like discern well whatever that is like whether it's Mm -hmm. to be a priest or whether it's to go out and be married or whatever the case is and i think to be honest like that there that some of and i say this very delicately but i think that some of the hurts that our church has experienced in the last little while is because there is also a period of a lack of discernment in some Mm. seminaries and a lack of helping men to to really discern what the lord was calling them to and 
yeah, so I can see like how how they might mean well by by saying like, oh, you. <laughs> but it's like not everybody who can be a mm -hmm. priest should be a priest if that exactly like, right just because you have the physical yeah. capacity or whatever doesn't mean that you should do yeah it. and so i get like i don't yeah i don't mind like i get mm -hmm. that quite frequently even mm -hmm. before i was a seminary and they're like oh you should think about seminary it's like i guess they see a young guy at church it's like oh well right. that's the path um mm -hmm. but yeah so I, i've gotten a lot of that oh you should go back oh why don't you consider you know like and it's and it doesn't i guess it's not annoying but it becomes a constant um reminder i guess um <laughs> that you just would never let go like you're just now a, a next seminarian that you know what i mean like that's your like, identity that's just now me that's now like yeah, i'm not yeah. julius you're just like oh you're next seminarian like why'd you leave you know why'd, why don't you just go back mm. so it's it's a little i guess it's different now um i don't right. mind it i don't mind an answering their questions or talking about um seminary because i loved my time there again i love my time and every every single moment mm -hmm. um but yeah it just becomes a um a nagging thing i guess sure it's almost as if you know if if you can compare you know discerning a relationship in dating right mm -hmm. and then you break up and hopefully you don't become forever defined as the person who used to be in a relationship with this other person and no longer is because yeah. you'd be like i'm i'm moving on like you know or whatever it is or something like mm -hmm. that and it's probably a similar yeah. thing oh, where definitely. you just you discern out yeah. and now you don't need to be constantly sort of thinking about that you can be moving forward with whatever god is calling you next right yeah. it's yeah. a really good point though because i think some experiences even of discerning whether it's religious life or whether it's priesthood or whatever are not always like there's there's sometimes painful breaks with yeah the seminary or the religious community or something like something like that so yeah which i'm glad that wasn't the case for you and that there's not mm, like a you. real woundedness there um but I can imagine that would be really hard if somebody had experienced that. And then, yeah. And then if, if really that has somehow become their identity to other people, then to be right. continually like, reminded yeah, that would be exactly. right. Like, oh, she's that ex nun or whatever it is. Like, yeah. Instead of just, mm -hmm. okay, where is God calling now or what happened? Yeah. 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 But yeah. For me, like, again, I'm, I'm very yeah. open and I'm very happy about my discernment. Like, uh, I, that's why I can talk about it, I guess, but it's just become one mm -hmm. of those things. And you're right. Like, I, I don't know what other guys have experienced in terms of whether it was a bad breakup with seminary or whatnot. Um, but I could see how the constant reminder um, or pushing can be uh, all mm. hard uh, yeah. for some other people. Um, so that's, that's definitely one of the mm -hmm. challenges. Another one is kind of just like leaving your brothers. Mm -hmm. um, just like the fraternity there is different. Um, because you're you're immersed in something much greater, um, I think. Um, you're praying every day. You're sharing meals, and and you just yeah, it's just it's just very different. And I think a seminarian can only know what another another seminarian is going through. Hmm. Um, and so I remember trying to talk to some of my friends outside of seminary about what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's not the same when I was yeah. a seminarian. It wasn't the same. Um, because they couldn't relate to it. It's nothing against them. It was still good advice, but it wasn't just what I was looking for. And then so leaving right. um, uh, your brothers and understanding now that there is a a boundary, a natural boundary um, between you two, um, even though it's kind of like high school, you know, when you graduate, you're like, oh, we're, we'll see each other again. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't wait to hang out. In a sense, like, yeah, they're still my friends. I still keep in contact with them, but there is a natural boundary um, that mm. we're just pursuing different lives now. Um, and and they're in the seminary and I'm not. 
and that should be okay. Um, but that was very difficult because a lot of my greatest friends come from there. Um, and again, the experience that we share is just so different um, yeah. from any other uh, guy that hasn't gone into seminary. And so that has been challenging trying to, trying to find a, I guess, a support group. Like I have some guys who did um, leave seminary as well. Um, so it was great to lean on them and to kind of just talk to them and, you know, kind of have this strong brotherhood, like, you know, keep the faith type of mm. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it was initially a very difficult thing uh, yeah. for me. And then also just like the, the unknown again, like mm. in seminary, you kind of, at least uh, for the, for some parts of it, like, you know, oh, after this year, I'm going into theology or I'm going right. into my internship or I'm becoming a deacon, God willing next year. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of like, I was so set on that life because I threw my eggs in this basket. Um, and I, I always kind of think of, so there's this player on the Raptors. His name is OG Ananobi. And he was asked um, a question about his shooting. And he said, I don't shoot to miss. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of <laughs> think about that in seminary. Like I don't go to seminary for a fun retreat. Like I'm trying right. to, be, mm-hmm. I'm really yeah. trying to discern yeah. the priesthood. And so I threw all my eggs in that basket. Um, and then when I felt like God was leading me another path, it's like, oh, right. Like what now type of thing. Right. Um, like now I have to go get a job or right. um, do I even like um, school? Like, do I have to go back to school? Um, yeah. Um, you know, there's just all these questions. And then like now. I'm back into the world where the people I've graduated with, like they're on the next phase of their life, whether they're already mm-hmm. into their careers, they've mm-hmm. saved and invested. They have a good work experience now. Maybe they have a family and kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going back to like, as if I did graduate uh, mm-hmm. undergrad again. Yeah. So the unknown was also very difficult, like going into a place where now I'm really, really trusting God, but like, this is, this is hard. I think it's actually harder hmm. um, to leave seminary than to enter hmm. um, because upon entering again, like for me, I was all in on that. Uh, I knew that again, there was a possibility right. um, that you would discern out, but it was all in on that or else I, w- I would just be having again, like a, a fun retreat for right. a couple of years, um, which would be the whole worst way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Um, but yeah, it was much harder because now I'm jumping into the world again where it's so noisy mm, <laughs> um, and right. it's hard to develop a prayer life again when right. you had this routine. For me, it yeah. was two years, but that was a long two years. Um, yeah, you have mass every day and, and you're able to just go to the chapel mm-hmm. at like midnight if you'd like, you know, like mm-hmm. those things I took for granted as a seminary and I think because that we have the sacraments readily available that Jesus is right there in the tabernacle, six mm-hmm. feet away. Um, now that's kind of like, all right, I got to start anew. Like I can't be doing five, one hour prayer periods a day now. Like it's just impossible. Yeah. <laughs> so right. how can yeah. I move on without, I guess, losing my prayer life without, um, you know, I guess moving in away from God. It's very easy to, I think, because now you're, Kind of like um yeah not having mass every day or whatever that's saint stevens for me like i have mass every day so like it's not an mm-hmm. excuse but i think the initial time that i left and before i got that job it was like whoa 
now what like it's also the pandemic sure. so no one was a mask but for me it's like how do i develop a prayer life again um while also weaving life responsibilities where yeah. my job is not to pray mm-hmm. for others and to study and yeah. to hang out with um other seminarians it's now to center my prayer life around everything yeah. else mm-hmm. yeah so that yeah. was also really hard very difficult for me yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. true I found that even, um, to be honest, from moving to Ottawa from Toronto, because where I lived in Ottawa was right across the driveway from the Mm -hmm. chapel, and I had the keys to the chapel, (laughs) so I could go whenever, like, and just having, being able to pray in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, especially when you can pray in a place that's like, like, I don't want to say lonely, but like, um, but like, where you can be alone with the alone is is mm. a good way to like that is something that i found was such a gift there um yeah. of being able to be in that chapel like all by myself with the lord and uh and like such a like there's something very intimate about that and so it's like hard when you i had definitely took that for granted and then when you go into this place where and also because where i was living like there was mass every day at 12 15 it's like you have to go across the mm-hmm. driveway and it's like it's right there you know yeah so then when you have to fashion your life around like i have to choose to get to mass here i have to know these schedules and then adoration i have to go or see when this church is open and then you combine it also with the pandemic it's like it's yeah. hard it really is hard yeah yeah for sure for sure um these are so many good things i'm wondering like if you if you maybe want to just share i it's like good to round out the circle you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. maybe just share kind of since leaving if there's any um if there's any other things that that you found really difficult but even just what's like Mm -hmm. happened in your life and where you're at where you're at now like some i guess even takeaways from the seminary of things that were good but things that were also like things that have turned out to be good in the long run i don't know if that makes sense i'll basically just turn it over to you whatever you want to share (laughs) what do you want what do you want to what do you want to leave people with yeah that's right what do i want to leave people with oh wow that's uh that's a hard question um that i think uh the adjustment um this period it's gonna take a while i think for me actually if you had asked me oh i uh, how do you feel about leaving seminary i would say mm-hmm. a month ago i would be like not like i've been i moved on but like i still would have thought about it like oh i wonder how they, those guys are doing mm-hmm. um you know what i mean but mm-hmm. now i just feel so at peace with uh mm-hmm. with leaving and that took a long time i remember uh, a priest at saint stephen's he just kind of asked me like oh, how are you and I said, you know, Father, like, I think I've finally gotten into a routine. Like, I've mm. finally um, gotten to a rhythm of things. And he reacted as if, like, I won the lottery or something. He was so <laughs> happy for mm. me. And yeah. I didn't know why. But afterwards, he said, you know, Julius, like, a lot of guys that I know who have, who have left um, have a hard time to adjusting mm. back into their real life and taking the time to pray and build a routine with God again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all kind of just like moving on to the next and kind of like occupying um themselves with with things with busyness yeah. whether it's mm-hmm. good things as well like a job or mm-hmm. a spouse like all these things um but they never really grieve and mourn that experience mm-hmm. um in seminary uh, they've never fully moved on 
Yeah. Although they've right. moved on, I guess, uh, outwardly, like they've right. got a job or whatever, have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, I'm just so happy that you have had that time. And St. St. Stephen's has definitely been a blessing for me to have worked there and to just have that prayer time uh, with God every day. Um, But yeah, he was just so happy because I've gotten to a rhythm and a routine with God that um, he feels like not many people have the, or have had that experience because they've Mm -hmm. either moved on too fast or they've just occupied themselves with responsibilities and busyness Mm -hmm. right after they've left. And I could see how that um, could have taken over me as well, because at one point I felt like, okay, like now what I have to like kind of grasp what, yeah. what job openings are there. Um, like, am I going to start dating? Like, <laughs> you know, so there's just a lot of things now that are occupying my mind, but mm-hmm. he just reassured me that the fact that I stayed with the Lord and I, I was blessed this job, but to kind of go out quietly, um, mm-hmm. And to just discern and continue just grieving and mourning. And then finally being able to say, you know what, that was a good life, but that wasn't the life for me. And I can kind of like put my head to the, is that put your head to the plow and move forward or something like that? Yeah, put your hands to the plow. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just yeah. like move forward. And I was very happy to hear that. And so I guess uh, the last thing is kind of just like, if you've gone through that experience of a breakup or, um, semin- leaving seminary, the convent, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to like kind of grieve it, uh, to mourn it, and really take that time with God. Again, I guess for me, entering into the loneliness again, and trying mm-hmm. to figure out with God, okay, like I've loved that life; it was a good time. Um, but what what am I called to next? And to kind of just keep moving forward. Um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's Beautiful. definitely one of the the greatest graces I've received, I think, since leaving is that I've finally gotten into a rhythm with God again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. That's beautiful. That's cool. That's, That's beautiful. Good. Yeah. And I was thinking it just as you were talking, Julius, like of course you're talking about seminary and, and then discerning out, which is a unique experience. But like you just said, it's so applicable, I think, to like dating and breakups or, you know, any kind of big life change that you have to, Mm -hmm. that was maybe a really good thing, but it wasn't the thing for you. And then you have to mourn it when it's, when it's done and like, take that time and not just be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just gonna, you know, keep doing the next thing and get and fill it. And it's just delaying that process of processing, you know, the change. So I think that's a really, um, that's a, it's a good, I don't know. It's a good nugget of wisdom there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it strikes me too, like that, like, I really loved how you, how you shared about the experience of coming to that place of holy disposition or holy um, indifference. Indifference. Yeah, um, because it really is, like, sometimes I think we know that we need to get to a place or we know that something needs to change in us or something like that. And then it's like, we fight to change it or we fight to, like, whatever, but, but actually it's the Lord's love that displaces things. Mm -hmm. Like it's not Mm -hmm. like he asks us to let go of something and then he'll come to us and change something or fulfill something or do something. But it's like, he, like there's a desire from him and a gentleness from him that he gives in like giving us this love in a deeper way. Like even bringing you into that sense of like loneliness and what that is and showing you like how, 
how he was there, like how much you are loved, like really in a way that will be imprinted in your heart forever and ever yeah. and ever, you know, that's, that's like the thing that allowed, that allowed the openness to what he wanted to give so that what he ended up giving didn't break you. Right. Because if he had potentially said, like, you're not called to be a priest before you knew you were loved in this deeper and much more intimate way. Exactly. Yeah. Like that could have been soul crushing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, and I think my time at seminary showed me that I wasn't able to love whether it was parishioners as a priest or a wife and my kids if I was a husband. I was never able to love them the way that God wanted me to until I first knew that God profoundly loved me mm. as his father um, and, and me being his son. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, like working with CCO and things like that, I think I saw God more as like a very good boss. Like, <laughs> he's just awesome. Mm. You know, I get all these things, get to go to these retreats and things like that. But I never saw God as father until mm. that retreat. And then when I was able to see love um, and feel and experience what true love really means, um, then then he was able to kind of say, okay, now you're now you're ready to accept what I'm going to tell you next, um, because mm -hmm. now you know for sure I love you. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a good place to like to like transition into into god wings but um but before we do that like you're welcome to if there's anything else that you want to share or say or any last words i don't want to say any last words because it sounds like you're dying which is not the case, <laughs> but oh i just want to say thank you for you know thinking of me and and asking mm -hmm. me to come on to your podcast and I'm, I'm very honored to like speak about this experience like no one really asks about it it's just kind of like oh he left you know um but they'll again they'll remind you why why <laughs> but the deeper things you know like i'm sure. very yeah. grateful for that opportunity to speak about that um that's awesome and julius yeah. now when people ask you you can be like uh there's a podcast just go listen to it it's fine. <laughs> i was just gonna say we can like print you off some little cards as a thank you and you can yeah, just be you, like yeah. Me. yeah no yeah this is great like obviously no, there's awesome. a lot more i think but uh the, sure. that was yeah a yeah, wonderful time good. really yeah sweet well you did say at the beginning when we were chatting before we started that you had right. a god wink you could i share. do so okay i want to let you so go. one day at, at work at saint stephen's i was just feeling really hungry like really hungry and i don't usually buy food so i remember like in my prayer time i usually pray after our eight o'clock mass that we have at saint stephen's so it's probably around maybe 8.45 or something. Hmm. I just felt so hungry. And I remember just saying, okay, God, like, sorry, I have to go get some food. Like, I'm just super hungry. <laughs> and I bought some food. And then, you know, I felt full. And then my volunteer came in with more food. <laughs> and I was like, man, you, you're That's so, awesome. like, your abundance is great. Like, I get yeah. fed. Um, I guess I should have waited. I guess that was an another lesson. <laughs> it was more like you're giving me more than I have asked for, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> is what it what is the Godwink, I guess, for me yep. was that. Um, that's awesome. Mm, that's I beautiful. That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
It's super That's practical. Great. It's true. It feeds you with the Eucharist and then food and more food. And exactly. Yes. And it never ends. It never right. ends. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Oh my goodness. There's so much good. We like, thank you so much for being here with us this week. And yeah, I think it really is important for people to, people to hear um, the experience. And it was, you shared in a really beautiful way that I think, was really kind of concrete, but also gave a lot of windows into, into what's like difficult, but also what's such a gift and what was really beautiful for you. So thank yeah, you for joining thank you. Us. I hope it's, yeah, thank I you, Julius. Well, yeah, thank you. Sure. All right, everyone. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you next week and to hearing what Rachel thinks of the second half of the podcast <laughs> <Right>. today. <laughs> All right, everybody. God bless you. Good night. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.